welcome to Pick Up and Deliver, the podcast where I pick up my audio recorder as I step off the train and deliver an episode to you while I walk home. I'm Brendan Riley. Well, greetings listeners. I hope that your day is going well. It is Wednesday, April 11th right now, and I am happily walking home in the first truly nice day of spring that I've encountered. The weather has been fine before, but I today just brought a light sweater with me in the morning and it's in my backpack this afternoon. I've got my long sleeve shirt with the sleeves rolled up and a song in my heart because it's a wonderful day. So I hope that you're having as wonderful day as I am. As I was riding the train home today and trying to decide what I'd talk to you about, I thought of a variety of different subjects, but nothing really jumped out to me until I started thinking about my game night last night. I went to Toggle Gaming in Palatine, Illinois, which is a lovely game group uh, founded by Andrew and Kevin, two fine fellas that made their gigantic board game collection the central library for the group. Uh, there are several uh, big shelves on wheels that the group uses to uh, move the collection in and out of the storage space at the, in the downstairs of the bar. And something like 50 to 80 people show up on any given Tuesday to play games. So I played a couple games last night. I played uh, Carnival Zombie, which is a game that's been out of print for about five years, but they keep having rumors of doing a reprint. Uh, and so it was fun to get a chance to play that. We played uh, Century Gollum Edition, which I have, and I think I've mentioned before. Uh, That was my maybe fifth or sixth game of it. Uh, I feel like I'm getting pretty good. I actually got my highest score yet um, against two fellows, both of whom were pretty good at this sort of thing. One of whom I consider to be among the most astute, quick learners of games that I know. I figured he would give me a sound shellacking, but uh, my experience with the game gave me a bit of a lead over him, and I ended up winning. Huzzah! Uh, And then we played a game of Crystal Clans, the new uh, combat game from Plaid Hat that's sort of like Summoner Wars, only not quite. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that since I never played Summoner Wars. Well, I I don't want to do reviews, but my response to Carnival Zombie was that it's interesting but feels a bit dated by today's standards. In particular, it was pretty slow. I don't know if it would have been much faster if we'd all played before instead of only the the person who owned the game having played before, but it still ran pretty long for what was a relatively light game, I would say. Uh, and then, then uh, the clans, the Crystal Clans game was fine. It, definitely just not my cup of tea. So it's really hard for me to give a good assessment of it because it's not my, not the kind of game I generally enjoy. It's got a combat aspect to it. Um, and I just, it didn't, didn't really do much that for me, but it was a lovely game. The, as always with Plaid Hat, the production quality was excellent. But what I wanted to talk about today was something that came up when we were playing Century Gollum Edition. So Century Spice Road is a game that came out, uh, at Origins last year from Plan B Games. And then at Gen Con, they released the Gollum Edition, which is just like the the game, the gameplay is identical to the Spice Road edition, except that the theme and the art is based around, like, I don't know, a fantasy world where you're trading crystals to make golems instead of, um, instead of uh, trading spices in the 
Mediterranean. So instead of trading cardamom for cinnamon, you're trading yellow gems for green gems. Other than that, there's not much difference in the game, except that the components are very nice. The art is lovely, the gems are fun, and the game comes with these little metal coins that really could have just been cardboard chits. There's no reason for it to be metal coins, except that it, it helps somehow. Which got me thinking about game components as engines of theme. Now this is something people have talked about here and there. Uh, a lot of podcasts and other groups, when they review games, the quality of the components is a part of it. How thick is the chipboard? How nice is the art? Etc. Etc. But I wanted to talk particularly about the notion that the quality of the components shapes the experience in a particular way. And a question I've been thinking about with regard to one of our designs. So, first I wanted to think about what are a couple games that I know where the quality of the components really affects the gameplay for me. Aside from Century Gollum Edition, which I would put in that category. It's quite delightful and the, the pleasant tactility of the gems and those metal coins should not be underestimated. But, so what are some other games that do this? I've got a couple in mind that I wanted to mention. Uh, the first of these, and I think the one that gets the most attention for this sort of thing, is Anachrony, a regular mention here on the podcast. Uh, I ordered the Anachrony Leader Box, which is basically the Anachrony game plus the Exosuit Expansion Kit, uh, which you can, both of you, you can buy retail now. What I like about Anachrony as a game, as the, with the expansion, is that the miniatures both add a lot of flavor to the game. They help you envision the character of your clan, but they also add functionality in that when you want to send one of your miniatures somewhere to do something, you take the little figure, the little scientist character who's supposed to be in that miniature, and you actually put them in the miniature. Oh, it seems like a small thing. You could just as easily put the token on top of the exosuit hex, which is what is the way the game's supposed to work. There's chipboard with hex shapes and a little picture of an exosuit on it, and that's meant to be the main way that the game conveys these exosuits. But if you have the expansion, then what you get is a little model of an exosuit that has a slot in the back where you can put the worker. And the tactile feel of having these big exosuits, of moving them to the city, really adds to the flavor of the game. It adds to the sense of adventure, the sense of mysteriousness, where my exosuits look like squids and yours look like lions with wings, and what, what is the difference there? What does that mean? It adds to the theme. I think a lot of reviewers touch on theme, the secret book, Secret Cabal, and... Uh, the Forgot My Dice guys, they both use the phrase thematics to talk about elements of a game that convey the theme to the players. But I think it's a really important part of how we understand what's going on in a game when we think about the game's theme. So another place that I've thought about the relationship of theme to game and the value of the components or the nature of components in that context is in my copy of Arkham Horror, the living card game. Now, Arkham Horror is one of those games that I find truly exciting. It's uh, among my favorites, and it's uh, one of two living card games that I have really made an effort to stay caught up with. I've bought all the expansion packs for it. And 
I like it a lot, enough that I wanted to have it be a bit more fun to play. And so for Christmas, I saw it and received from my wife the um, Stonemeyer fancy bits for Arkham Horror. So in Arkham Horror, if you get a, or there's these uh, doom tokens that get put out, and the fancy bits they're in the game, there are these little cardboard skull tokens. Well, the fancy bits, they're a little 3D skull. And uh, the clue tokens are little pictures of magnifying glasses. Well, the fancy bits, they are tiny little sticks with tiny little metal hoops like magnifying glasses and so on. But these are tactile objects that really reinforce the, the idea, the metaphor generated by the small picture that's part of the game. And not only do these look nice when you're looking at the table, but again, they add to the theme that the Doom tokens feel significantly more significant when they look like a tiny little skull. And the, the same with the brain damage tokens, which are tiny brains, or the uh, health, which are tiny little realistic looking hearts. So they're not the uh, sort of traditional Valentine's Day heart shape. They're shaped like a human heart. Uh, and colored in the same way, so they look like tiny little hearts, which is kind of gross, but also fun. It adds to the experience. Of course, we've all played games that have thematic elements and have uh, understand the way that those thematic elements add to the experience. But I wanted to think about that a little bit in the context of when you're trying to understand what you like about a game. Because there are some people for whom this doesn't seem to make a difference at all. Uh, and the example I would point to here is the people who really like splatter games. Splatter is a German manufacturer. They do really small print runs of games. And generally, their components are terrible. So, from what I understand, it'll be very cheap cardstock. Uh, often the art is minimal or non-existent. The art for the Food Chain Magnate, which is their most popular game, uh, just looks like a map from a, I don't know, a preschool book about a town so it's just like a flat map with roads and boxes for buildings it's surprisingly bad um but the whole idea of that publisher is they don't particularly care about making it thematically rich what they care about is making the game function well and that the experience of the game is in playing that system more than playing the story but I think that we've seen in the last five years a significant rise in, or let's say 10 years, we've seen a significant rise in the level of games that really try to work hard to bring that theme into play. Because what game designers have discovered is that theme not only helps make games more interesting for players, but it also helps, um, it also helps make the rules work better. That when players can understand the connection between the way a component works in the game and the theme, that they then are able to learn that better. So I was thinking about this in the context of... Um, oh, actually, so the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, is the nature of production value and the relationship to the weight of the game. By weight here, I mean the sort of uh, how difficult it is, how much you have to think about it, and that sort of thing. So... When you go to play a game, you often will find that it you have expectations about how difficult it's going to be, how hard it's going to be to play. And a big part of those expectations come from what, what the box looks like. Is the game big or small? Does it have a lot of pieces or just a few? 
and your expectation about what the game is like is shaped by that. And one of the things we're seeing lately, because games de- games makers have discovered that theme plays such a key role in people enjoying a game, is that we've seen disconnect between the level of the components and the game that's being played. So, for instance, uh, I remember hearing a couple reviews, and I'm speaking totally out of ignorance here. I have not played this game. I've not even seen it on the table. But I've heard a couple reviews of it. There's a game called Vengeance which purports to be sort of like playing Kill Bill as a game, um, I think, or maybe Payback. And part of what happens, uh, part of what makes that game interesting is that it is really strongly produced. There's lots of miniatures, elaborate boards, and so on. But uh, the game itself is pretty light in terms of its difficulty, in terms of its playtime. Another game that I said uh, I, I did a discussion of before was Grim Forest. Grim Forest comes in a huge box. It's got a whole bunch of minis that barely get used. Uh, it's a relatively light game, even though it's more complex than I originally thought it was going to be. It's still much less complex than uh, you would expect for the size of the box. And I was thinking about this in the context of a game that we're working on, which is a train game called In the Loop where you are helping to build the Chicago elevated train system. And right now, my group, my design group has been working on this game as a card game using mini cards uh, and square cards because we wanted to keep a small footprint and keep the game really cheap. But I think one of the things that happens is there's a disconnect for players because the game is so physically small that they expect it to be short and or light. And when the puzzles are kind of deep and the game takes a long time to play, there's a disconnect there. So one of the things I'm going to try in the next couple weeks is I ordered some chipboard and I'm going to try making a tile version of the game that's physically bigger and see how that affects the gameplay experience. Well, um, I wanted to say thank you for listening today. Uh, I hope to hear from you if you have comments or questions. Otherwise, I hope that your next walk outside is as pleasant as mine was. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Brought to you by Rattlebox Games.